spoke, Greville Waterman, on April the 26th, 2021. At that point, Brentford was still a championship club, but with a wonderful forward-thinking manager. As we go into the 2022-23 season, Brentford have survived and thriven in the Premier League. But you're going to go down next season, aren't you? Well, I suspect that um, if you look at the quality of the clubs coming up, uh, the way it goes, and people bleating on about second season syndrome, I suspect we will start as one of the favourites for relegation, and maybe that's justified. I mean, you know, you look at Sheffield United, what happened to them, you look at what almost and could well have happened to Leeds last season, and people will be saying the same about Brentford. But I suspect we will have a few surprises in our locker, um, and I would very much hope, if not expect, that we will cement our place in the promised land and be there for a long time yet. Fine, but here's why I want you to go down. Brentford should have nothing to do with the Premier League. Well, I think this is going to end up being a very, very short interview, John. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me try and explain with reference to just a bus stop in Hounslow, which is, can I call it a compilation of your writings for the last year? No, because I wrote it all as a book. Throughout the season? Absolutely. I, I thought you'd published it as you went season. along. I apologise. No, 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 no. It hasn't seen the light of day to, any, to anyone, bar a few that have pre-ordered it and a few oh. people that hopefully will review it. But it's, no, it's, it's not. My, the first couple of books I wrote were a, a distillation and compilation of blogs I wrote through the season. This was written as a standalone book. Jolly good. Well, I only went by case president, Your, your Honour. I can't say that, can I? <laughs> So, so here's the issue. You play or you visit the Brentford Community Stadium. Now, the yeah. Premier League is not about community. It's about maximising eyeballs around the world and making the millions of people on their TV sofas the prime audience. Witness the video yeah. assistant ref. The yeah. way that Brentford is run is it's run in a way that fans are never grumbling. I heard zero grumbles about Brentford last season when the whole point of being in the Premier League is you're either not good enough or if you are good enough for the league, you're not good enough for Europe. And if you're not good enough for Europe, then there's something wrong locally and you're not getting enough kids in the team. It's just a, a complete one-off. Well, it's not a one-off because of Magellan. But has um, Brentford become the Benham Ankersen's number one club now? Well, Anderson's gone. Anderson left at Christmas. He joined some investment group that actually bought Southampton amongst other clubs. So Anderson is no longer with us, which is a great shame because he was a, a, a very, deep, very, very intelligent man that came up with all sorts of bright ideas, uh, most of which worked. Um, but no, I, I actually think that Brentford are a model that most clubs should follow, which is basically to live within your means to have a sound strategy to allow good people to manage. Everyone knows what their job, what their role is, and there are no knee-jerk reactions. Uh, people stick to the right decisions, and they only make changes if things go seriously tits up, which generally they don't. No, that's, that's the great problem, and that um, is um, belied by the fact that there was a 98.9% approval rating by fans when the Mail on Sunday yeah. did a poll. Yeah, I was amazed it was so low. Yeah, tell me about it. And this was the time when 
Uh, you'd signed on a six-month contract, one of the greatest midfielders of the last 15 years. How yeah. surreal was it to see Christian Eriksen at this stadium, given the 20, 30, 40 years of football you'd seen beforehand at Griffin Park? Well, I mean, I have to say that when you actually look at other players that we've had, names that will make fans shudder, you know, Clyde Winhart, Eddie Hutchinson, Paul McCulloch, these are all names of, you know, names of shame. Um, It's just ridiculous that we are now in a position where not only are we playing at the top level, we are managing to attract top-level players. Um, but people seem to think that we were lucky to get him. And I've seen all sorts of sneering, condescending comments. He's too good for you. Let him go and play for the right sort of team where he deserves. Tim we Sherwood. Have to work, we have to work bloody hard to get him. And we got him because we did the hard yards. Uh, we got him because he knew and trusted us. We got him because Thomas Frank and he go back a very long way to the Denmark under 17s. We got him because we have a Scandinavian colony at Brentford. Uh, and we got him because we put everything in place to ensure that he was looked after on and off the pitch. And he has repaid us totally. Uh, he was marvellous both on the pitch and just as importantly off the pitch where he was a mentor to all the other players, young and old. Um, he apparently would sit at lunch with a different player every day and just allow the, the magic fairy, the fairy dust to sort of move from one to the other. Um, incredible player, incredibly nice guy, totally modest, uh, quiet, but very professional in everything he, everything he does. He made a massive, massive difference to us. And we still don't know whether he'll be with us. I think he's making that decision probably this week whilst he's on holiday somewhere. If he stays, wonderful. If he goes, well, we will swear and curse for a couple of days, but then we'll just get on with it because we're Brentford. That's what we do. The good thing about it is he made everyone else a better player. Yeah, as as shown by the results. And you, you put at the back, yeah. there's just the... The discrepancy between the time in December and January, which was horrific. Not as horrific as what happened to Christian Eriksen last summer, but for a Brentford fan, not far off. Um, but it was, but, it, but it, was, it was horrific for other reasons. You see, we started off with a bang, with the win against Arsenal, and we got, you know, I think eight points in our first four games. Yes. Um, and could have had more. We could, we, we could have had 12, frankly. And... We were doing very, very well until suddenly the injuries, injuries and COVID. And I'm sure every team will say, well, that's the same for everyone. But we only had a squad of 20 plus goalkeepers. We, and a lot of those were kids. So we then had the fixture list from hell. Instead of having it at the beginning of the season like Norwich did, we had ours around the turn of the year. And we were playing the creme de la creme of the Premier League with severely weakened squad. No wonder that we were sinking. We lost seven out of eight. But at the same time, you don't lose your job at Brentford through bad results. You lose your job at Brentford through poor performances. The performances were generally pretty good. Uh, not always, but generally. And it's like uh, Mariners Dijkhausen, the ill-fated manager 2015-16, lasted, I think, nine games. And he only lasted nine games because it was patently obvious that it wasn't working. 
Thomas Frank lost eight of his first ten games, but the powers that be could see that it was all slowly coming together, and of course it did. So Ericsson was the catalyst, and who knows what would have happened without him. But when you get Christopher Ayer back, when you get David Raya back, both of whom had been out for months, and these are top-class Premier League players, uh, it may, it's going to make a difference, and it did. Yeah, you saw the same thing with Leeds. Just They were very lucky that they didn't go down because there were just three worse teams than them, one of whom were Watford. And I watched yeah. with thudding inevitability that Brian and Buemo scored a sixth minute of injury time penalty uh, as Brentford beat Watford at home. I imagine at that game, people would have stayed in their seats. They wouldn't have gone home early. Uh, no, absolutely. We know one leaves early because we have no, no expectations. You know, if we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. We have the lack of appreciation after much after pretty much every game. We sing a Jude, we dance along to free free from desire. It's 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 a it's it's wonderful. It's it's fairyland. It's just a miracle that we're there. But not just that we're there. We've taken that we've ta- not taken it by storm, but we've been very very sensible in how we've faced the challenges, problems, and opportunities of the Premier League. And we've adapted accordingly. You know, Norwich come up and play the same way as they played in the Championship. They sell their best player in Buendia and don't really replace him. And what happens? They get stuffed every week. Um, We came up. We didn't sell anyone. We recruited on the whole pretty well. Um, So, you know, we brought in Aya, who was an incredibly good player. We brought in Johan Wisser, who no one had ever heard of from... Lorient, as no. opposed to Lake Lorient. Yeah, I love that line. That's the best line yeah. in the book. Oh, well, maybe. Thank you. He did very well. But again, he missed two months of the season, if not three, through injuries and COVID. He ended up with 10 goals in, in all competitions, seven in the Premier League in about in about 15 games. So we, we, we basically did it well. And more importantly, or as importantly, we adapted our style to meet the teams that we that we faced. So everything about it was done with thought, with with planning and with intelligence. The book, I should say, Greville Waterman, just a bus stop in Hounslow, bus stop in Hounslow, which is based on a chant from a club we can't mention. Uh, it's out today as this goes out, July 1. Uh, I thought about delaying this until the weekend of August the 20th. Because... I am very excited because of all... I'm, I don't care about the Premier League. I really don't. But I do care about Brentford and Fulham. Fulham because my godfather Peter Daisley supports them. Brentford because of you. You're the Brentford fan in my life. Um, what would be the best case scenario for that fixture as Fulham's first visit to the BCS, the Brentford Community Stadium? Um, but are you sure it's up there? I thought it was there, but I might be wrong. Well, we... we invariably got the better of Fulham when we were both in the championship, apart from in the game that mattered, which was the playoff final where neither team really turned up, to be quite honest. And they they beat us in, in extra time. David Rea sort of was so positive. He, he came up too far and Brian stuffed him with that 40 yard into the near post. Quite brilliantly taken goal. You have to applaud it. Um, generally, we had the better of Fulham. Um, and as 
we normally sing. Bees up, pull them down. Bees up, pull them ah. down. Bees up, bees up, bees up, bees up, boys. Bees up, pull them down. Yeah. Now, actually, we could sing that last season, and we did with great relish. Maybe we'll have the chance to sing it again. To be honest, it probably is not a bad thing if we could both stay up. I've got no real animus towards towards Fulham. I, you know, I admire them. I, I like the way they, they do do some things. They committed Harry Carey last time they came up with their recruitment. Maybe, please God, they'll be as stupid again. Who knows? <laughs> and, um, and watch out, by the way, watch out for the other club in West London because they've just hired a very, very good coach, Michael Beale, as their manager. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, we will see. We will see. And if, if they do go up, that will be four teams in West London and two teams in North London. So it'll be a yeah. very London-centric Premier League. But Brentford are there for the second season in a, in a row. What is the significance of the figure 31449? Uh, is that how many days since they last played in the Premier League? I can't remember. Probably. I'm back. That right, isn't it? Or... The top division. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. So basically, they we, they last won promotion in um, 1935, and it was 31,449 days to retake their position in the top tier of British football. And that was Arsenal, which was one of the most incredible evenings of our lives. I don't know if you saw that game, but what an evening, what an entertainment, what a performance. Just everything about it was marvellous. And I've written a great letter about it, probably with far too much exuberance and enthusiasm. But it was a very special night. Well, it's the whole night. <laughs> it's great journalism because it starts with you moaning about the parking. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the price. Um, but yeah. also this um, memorabilia, this exhibition of memorabilia. So I was going to ask you, what objects from the 2021-22 season you would have in an exhibition to mark the first home game of the coming season. Oh, Man United. We, we actually played Man United off the pitch. I know people will laugh when I say that. For the first half of the game, I think it was in January at the Brentford Community Stadium, and somehow we're only drawing nil-nil at half-time, and we should have been three up. Apparently, United got the bollocking of all time at half-time and then woke up and beat us 3-1. But it was a game that we, again, threw lack of finishing that we threw away. There was there were a lot of games where we weren't clinical up front and we missed chances. But, you know, we're on an adventure, we're on a journey. It's taken time for us to actually realise we are there. But I think it's fair to say that we, we proved last season that we belonged. We played good football. We played clever football in that it's fair to say that for a few seasons in the Championship, we were flat-track bullies. We played football of the gods at the time. We, you know, you had the Ben Rama, Watkins, the BMW, Buemo front line. You had Josh De Silva playing tricks in midfield. You know, Mattis Jensen splitting defences. But we couldn't defend. And we would lose to very poor teams who would shithouse us to death. And, uh, you know, Nottingham Forest, not that mentioning Nottingham Forest, would be a, were a prime example of that. They would generally beat us uh, because of the way they played and played the referees too. But then we got smart and some of the football went by the, went by the wayside and we learned how to defend. We brought in Pontus, we brought in Ethan Pinnock, who are both superb players, who are both absolutely taken to the Premier League. And the other thing to say, just offhand, is that not one Brentford player had started a Premiership game at the start of last season. Amazing stat. 
I, I almost couldn't a, believe that when I read it. And they went, oh, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done. Yeah, and that was deliberate because they, their view was they were building for the Premier League rather than... For, you know, you know, there was a time when every every club that went up to the Premier League bought, I don't know, Neil Redford. That's right, Neil Redford. <laughs> because he was... He, he always got relegated the season before, you know, with Barnsley or Charlton or whoever it might have been. We didn't do that. Um we did, a, we did bring in a guy called Zanka, um, who had played for Huddersfield a little bit, another day, who was a spare centre-half, who was very, very good. And then, of course, we brought in a midfielder in January who played a few games in the Premier League. Um, what was his name? Ericsson or Christ. something like that. They called yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. But they do it their own way. And as I said, we adapted to the needs and requirements. Um, we played football when we could. We deliberately didn't play football when it was dangerous to play football. We invariably did try and play out from the back, except against the top four. Didn't do it against the top four, which again, it was the right thing to do. We were very, very good at set pieces. And apart from a terrible smell around November to January, when we leaked goals from corners, including one against you lot, uh, when we let Dennis unmark six yards out, we basically did well. We, we tried to be brave. We tried to belong to the Premier League, be, as Thomas Frank would say, be an asset to the Premier League. And we played the percentages, and we did it incredibly well. And you had we could go long to Ivan Tony, who would flick the ball on Buemo, and suddenly we're 50 yards up the pitch, because David Reyes' distribution is incredible. So we, we took clubs by surprise. Now, whether we'll still take them by surprise next season... Who knows? Indeed. But we had spell in March, April, beginning of May, where we were playing really good football. Really, really good football. Of course, having Christian Eriksen helped, but we were good. I actually had to look up the name Alvaro Fernandez because I thought, hang on, isn't his name Roberto Sanchez? And I realised that Roberto Sanchez was the Brighton version. Fernandez was brought in after Raya was injured. Um, yes. There are so many comparisons to be made between Brighton and Brentford, not just Smart Odds, which is the company that Benham and Bloom have both been involved in, I think. Well, you know, I think that Brighton are an example to us of who we who we would like to be. You know, Brighton have been up, what is it, five seasons now? I might be wrong. Four, four or, or five. five four or five. And they struggled initially to stay up. They've actually, I think, lost money almost every year in the Premier League, which in itself is frightening. It shows the level of investment required. They went into a new stadium. I think they were in that stadium before they yeah, went they up. But yeah. they had a new stadium. They played good football. They remained true to themselves. I admire Brighton immensely. Of course, there's a fair issues between the two owners. And I don't think we were happy that they didn't double on us, over us. They were incredible. They gave us our first defeat. Um, I think our fifth game of the season, we lost one 0 in a, a very dull sort of game of cat and mouse at Brentford Community Stadium, where we created about five chances, three of which Waymo missed, which is another pattern of the season. And they scored. Trussard scored a very good goal in injury time, and then we didn't turn up. We had to play at Brighton at eight pm on Boxing Day. Can you believe that? Thanks to Sky, um, and we were very poor. Um, but Brighton are an exemplar for us, and if we follow their, their their footprints, I think we'd be very, very happy. Because again, they they keep playing good football. 
They do, but their home fans are very upset for some inane reason because they're ungrateful. Brighton, 15 draws. Brentford, 7 draws, 18 defeats. 56 goals conceded. Manchester United conceded 57. Ergo, Brighton better at keeping the ball out than Manchester United. Um, And Ethan Pinnock cost, I think, £74 million less to buy than Harry Maguire. Christoph Ayer, who is one of the, the pearls of the season... That stat that you say, no wonder he was won over because he's been made to feel important because you say that Christoph Ayer was watched how many times? Yeah, 127. 127. An amazing data set. Uh, This is Lee Dykes's uh, recruitment who removed the subjectivity by having such a huge data set that they can eliminate the variables and really nail down what makes great players great. Uh, So you've got Pontus, the Swede, and Aya, the Dane, at the back. Yeah. And yet Marcus Force, the Finn, couldn't do much good. No, Marcus Force hasn't really grown into his paws yet. He didn't get much opportunity. He, again, scored He scored four goals against the mighty Oldham in the Carabao. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, we were playing against kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, and we had a game where the referee, dear Simon Hooper, in a game where we really didn't need it, gave us everything. And yet when we came across him in the Premier League, he gave us nothing and contributed to a couple of fairly you know, unfortunate results. So he annoyed me intensely. Now, Marcus Force, not sure if he's going to be good enough for the Premier League, needs to get out and score goals. He had a, lo- a, a not a very successful loan at Hull City, where I think he picked up a bad injury early on. So he needs to regain some impetus for next season. Who knows? I, I think that the the other problem we had was that Brian and Buemo, who's still only 22, for God's sake, played brilliantly in all things but one. You know, he would run the channels, he would outpace people, he would terrify defenders, he would nutmeg them, but he couldn't hit a bloody barn door. And he had the worst ratio of goals to expected goals he scored four Premiership goals, of which one was a 96-minute penalty against Watford. Beautifully stroked home, a la Ivan Tony, Two-step Tony, as uh, Paul Merson memorably described him. But his, his expected goals was about 10, and he scored four, of which one was a penalty. So he has a lot to do. And I know it's narrow margins, and he hit the post seven times. So who knows? It could, have, it could just as easily have gone his way. But he missed a shed load of chances. A shed load of chances. Which, and yeah. which, it's, it's cost it dear. Well, it, it, it accounted for Brentford's 13-place finish, which was an over-expectation. My sadness would be that if Brentford do have problems in the first few months of the season, Thomas Frank will, I think, go of his own accord. I don't think Matt Benham is going to get rid of him because... It's about the culture. The culture of Brentford is bigger than the club. You've got this table of justice, uh, which I'm sure Watford would have been rock bottom of last year had we been running it as well. Uh, There is a sports psychologist, Michael Caulfield. And what does Anna West do? I think she's the sleep coach. The sleep, but of course, a sleep coach. I bet Liverpool are going to nick her as well, like they've nicked Gronemark. Yeah. But this, it seems all joined up, very holistic. You've got a board um, who do have some 
of the kind of people that you'd want from a, a business based in Hounslow. I did note that yesterday, we're recording this on June 20, yesterday, two members of the board, long-standing members, have stepped back to become non-exec, yeah. citing yeah. the fact that Brentford will grow. What does that yeah. say to you? Well, it says to me we're a very well-run club. We lean and we mean. And the two people involved serve the club remarkably well. Uh, Donald Kerr is, is a very good friend of mine who has done an incredible job in terms of, particularly in terms of the Community Sports Trust and in embedding the club within the community. Mike Power, I know, has been incredibly helpful in terms of providing strategic advice, given his background with the Olympics, and played a, a, a key role in terms of helping bring the club to uh, the new stadium. So we, I think they're both becoming vice presidents, yeah. so they'll be welcomed with open arms at every game. I think it just shows that we're a well-run club. Quite right. Um, you know, there was all that fuss about the government-led review about putting a fan on the board. I think you'll yeah. find Brentford are a step ahead. Well, yeah, we've, we've had fans on the board for the last dozen years at least. Have you ever um, been tempted to be that Bees United trust um, member? Not really. I, I was on the Brentford board for a, for a, a millisecond back in 2005, actually. Oh. Was it two, I, I was invited to join the board by the then chairman, Eddie Rogers, who's still around, nice man, very nice man. And I was there to provide marketing and PR advice, which I did. I also wrote the blueprint to um, bring in a chief executive. I, I fell out with someone quite important at the club, who I'm not even going to talk about or even mention the person's name now. Um, and I just thought, I don't need this. So I came off the board. But this, this was at a time when the club was being run on a shoestring and eventually being run by Bees United. And it was being run by kind, intelligent, worthy people who had no knowledge whatsoever about how to run a football club. And it was very, very difficult, very, very hard time when the club survived through the rattling of buckets. Yeah, a lot um, of clubs uh, have gone through that. Mm, absolutely. And in the book, I also write a chapter about why we don't like Weed Spark Rangers, just in case people have forgotten that they tried to uh, kill us and obliterates us from history in 1967. A long time ago. You know, it's 50, 55 years ago. But it's still in, in the top of mind of people of a certain age. And it's no, it's nowhere near the mind of someone in, let's say, Qatar. Because Qatar's on my mind at the moment. Because I'm not going to watch this World Cup. Eric Cantona today has said, nope, not having any of that. Or his version of not having any of that. Uh, which is more prosaic. If I can get personal for a minute... Um, the reason this book was very important to me was that, unfortunately and tragically, my wife died of COVID in February 21, which was a... You can't even talk about how it's affected everyone, my family, my kids, myself, and, of course, poor Miriam. And I needed something to do to occupy myself, and that, that's where this book came in. And the club were incredibly helpful. I've approached the club. I mean, I've written books on the club, but all from the outside. Mm -hmm. And this time, they opened the door a bit more than a crack. They let me in to, to, you know, on a controlled basis, and they kept their word. I was able to talk to the key people involved, uh, more the people behind the scenes of the players. I did talk to a couple of players. To be honest, I, I just find talking to most footballers is pleasant, but you're not really going to get incredible insight from the majority of them. 
and uh, they, they know what to say and what not to say. But I was able to spend time with Thomas Frank. I was able to spend time with Bill Giles, Cliff Brown, uh, Nitty Raj, a few others, who really, really helped me. And I have to pay tribute to uh, the communications director, Chris Wickham, who, again, just couldn't do enough, couldn't do enough for me. So hopefully, where I'm, you know, this sounds like an Oscar uh, acceptance speech. It's not supposed to be that. It's more to say that hopefully there are a few things in there that do get a bit put behind the scenes and yeah. below the belt, and, you know, below the salt or whatever you want to say. And I'm hoping that it will obviously appeal to Brentford fans, but hopefully just fans of football and fans of a good story. Because at the same time, so much happened last season. And it, it was an incredible season. 